You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 2. Um, if you don't have one, it will have the text on the screen and there's uh, some in the hallway. If you want, uh, you can grab one on the way out or if you just want to take one home, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. One of those would be great. One of the, uh, the many animals at the Fowler Petting Zoo. Um, it's not the, you know, we've got dogs and cats and angelfish and everything else. It was a beautiful, beautiful uh, California king snake named Moo. And I know some of you are like, snakes, ooh. You know, I'm one of those guys that's like, ooh, snake, you pick it up and like it. So uh, don't kill snakes, please. They're good. They kill rats. Kill rats, don't kill snakes. Sorry, that's, that's my... But um, before we got Moo, um, there was questions snakes in the house. What if the snake gets out? To which, of course, my response is snakes never get out. That doesn't happen. I mean, they don't have hands. They can't open glass containers and open. They're not Andy Dufresne digging through the wall of the, of the cage trying to escape. And so there was promises made and encouragements and assurances. Snakes cannot escape until they do. And so Moo has been on the run uh, down in uh, Mexico, I think, by now, uh, somewhere for about a week and a half. All my assurances and promises that snakes can't get out weren't so good. And, there, and there's certain things in life that you just want assurances on. The snake won't escape. That, that when you go to start your car in the morning, that it's going to start. That when you go to use the debit card at the Publix, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. Not going to say insufficient funds. When you're coming in for a landing, that you hear those landing gears go down, you're like, yes, that's good, right? There's good assurances. And for us as people, the, probably the greatest assurance that we need is the assurance of our hope in Christ, the assurance of our salvation, uh, right? Because this is, this is your eternity. This is not a snake. This is not a debit card. This is your eternity. How, another way you might say it is, how can we know that we know God. How do you know? Can you know? Right? That, that's the question John is going to answer for us today. Because look, doubt is, is common. The enemy of your soul wants to discourage you. He wants to keep you down. He just does. Because if he keeps you discouraged and hopeless and woe is me and I don't know, and all, then you are not useful because you're always worried. And God wants us to have comfort and peace, to know that we know him. How? That's what we're going to look at in our text today in 1 John 3, uh, chapter 2, excuse me, verses 3 through 11. And, and remember, this is a, this is a new series for us. We've called it That You May Know. And that's the reason why is because John gives his purpose verse in chapter 5. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And there were some folks in these churches that John's writing to who had left and were really causing division and hatred and doubt. They were causing doubt. And, and everything that John and the apostles had taught these churches, who Jesus is, uh, that they knew God, bringing that all into question. And so John is writing to say, no, 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 they are not true. This is true. And John knows because he knows Jesus better than anybody. So that you may know. And so today... Uh, really, he's going to, we looked at the first week that you may know John and last week that you may know forgiveness. Today is that you may know assurance. That you may know that you know God. How can you know? 
Um, that's what we're gonna look at today. And this is really a text that's designed for this because God wants you to know and I want you to know and Jesus wants you to know. And so John is gonna give us just two ways, two big ideas for you today. How do I know that I know God? You look for these two things in your life. And I think as a pastor, the challenge for me is this. We got a lot of people watching online. We got a lot of people that show up on a Sunday and I do not want you to be deceived. I don't want you to think that you know God because I go to church, I prayed a prayer, I got baptized, I'm in a community group, I do a lot of Christian stuff. I don't want you to think that's what it is because Jesus gives a chilling, uh, chilling words in the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. The one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say, many will say, Lord, Lord, that means they have good theology. They're calling Jesus Lord, right? They know the right answers. Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? A lot of Christian activity. Significant. I, I've never cast out demons. In fact, if you call me up and like, hey, something's going on in, the, in my room. You know, there's a kid floating and there's the head spinning around. They're spitting out pea soup. Don't call me. I don't know what you, I've no, it's not, I don't experience. Call Ghostbusters. Who are you gonna call? Call Ghostbusters. I, I don't know. These, but these folks, he says they have Christian activity. They got good theology. He says, but I never knew you. I never knew you, right? So it's not about knowing about who God is. It's not about knowing about these facts. And it's just something deeper. And I want us to know that we know. Because I remember growing up in the 80s, and some of you remember this. They had these rapture movies. Did anybody remember these rapture movies from the 80s? They freaked me out. I was scared to death all the time. I'd be at the, at the Walmart, it was Kmart back then, I didn't have Walmart. I'd be at the Kmart or someplace with my mom and all of a sudden I wouldn't see her. I thought I missed the rapture. I'd be looking around. I thought, did I miss the rapture? What am I gonna do? Do I need to run to the woods, Red Dawn, Wolverine? What do I need to do? I was constantly living in fear and every night pray, Lord Jesus, come into my heart again, just in case you didn't come in the first time, make sure you're there this time. I'd be just constantly, because I don't wanna miss the rapture. And then I would get scared because I'd be thinking, what if the rapture happens and my mom's driving and I'm in the back seat? What am I gonna do? I mean, crazy stuff, just fear. I don't know what assur assurance is, not that. God wants us to have assurance, to know that we know that we know him. So how can we know? He's gonna tell us. Let's jump in. Let me read the first three verses because he's gonna get right into it in verse three, all right? And he, has, he just tells us right up front. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. See, I didn't create the topic for today. He did, right? He, he, th this is how we know that we have come to know him, that we keep his commandments, right? That we keep his commandments, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, so he jumps right in. He says, here, here's what I'm talking about. This is how you know that you know, right? And, and there's some significant grammar stuff going on here. So kind of let me unpack that for those of you who are like, oh, I hate grammar, but, but it is significant to understand it. He says, by this we know that we know. And anytime you see a repetition of a word in uh, one verse, it, it should, you should be like, okay, something's going on, right? He uses the word know twice. And know is one of those words that has just a kind of a broad scope, right? Even in English, Right? If, multiple reasons. If I say, uh, I, I, you're, you're, the mom says before the kid goes out the, the door, uh, don't forget your lunch. I know, mom, which means they have the information and they will forget the lunch. 
But there was information, it's an informational piece. And then there's the, uh, that scene in Elf we talked about a few weeks ago when he's so excited because Santa's coming. He says, I know him. Right? There's a relational side to the word. He knows Santa. There's, a, there's an experiential piece. If I said, do you know how to ride a bike? I do know how to ride a bike. I know how to ride a bike. There's an experience piece. This word here, gnosko, is the word he used. We get our word Gnostic from it, knowledge. But it's a, it's a deeper than just the information. I know my lunch is on the table, mom. It is that relational. I know him. It is that experience. I know how to ride a bike. He says, by this, we know. And it's a present tense in the original. This is what we know now. And then we continue to know that we have come to know. Now he changes the tense. Now remember, tenses, words matter because they're all inspired by God. So he goes from, this is how we know right now that we have come to know. He uses the Greek perfect text tense, which means something that happened in the past, but has continued results and future results. So this is what we know now that we have come to know something in the past that we still know it now and that we will know it in the future. That is what is called assurance. I know something happened. I know it's true right now. And I know it will be true. That is assurance that I know that I know God, right? That's what he's talking about. How do we know? By this, by what? Real simple. If you keep his commandments, and it's in a, in a way it's uh, structured in the Greek text. It's called a third class condition, which means it's up in the air. It's up to you. The, the, the result is dependent on, do you know? Well, do you keep his commandments, right? That, that's the idea. So the first way you can know that you know God is by answering this question. Do you obey him? And, and the order here, y'all, this is maybe the most important thing I say. The order is, is significant. It is not, I obey so that I know. I get myself cleaned up, become good Southern Christian, then I'm a Christian. No, no, that is not Christianity. That is not the gospel. That is false religion. That is work my way to God. That is not what we've been talking about. The idea is, who am I now? I've been forgiven. Jesus is the propitiation for my sin. I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me, I am a child of God. My identity has changed. And now, because I have a new identity and a new father, I obey him. That's, that's a significant difference. Because if you're trying to earn your way into your father's favor, he will, he will say, I never knew you. Because you cannot do that. He's given his favor in Christ. Because I am accepted, I obey. So he says, do you obey his commandments? And that word commandments is, who gives commandments? A commander, right? Someone in charge, someone in authority. Someone who says all authority has been given me in heaven and earth. When I went, showed up at the Citadel in August of 1992, excuse me, you know, uh, showed up, shaved my head, gave me this PT uniform with real short shorts and they pulled your black socks up to your knees and you wore these black shoes and you look like a, you kind of a moron walking around, you had a little bag around your neck. And I was introduced to my company commander. I still remember him to this day. His name was Zan Edens. All right, if he's listening, I still am afraid of you. <laughs> Even though you're 49 and I'm 46. And he was this intimidating dude. He was like six foot four. I was like four foot six. He just, he just had a voice that he, it just, it was like thunder. 
He would, call, he would call cadence for our entire company, which was usually it didn't. Each company had three platoons and each platoon leader would call. He would just say, nope, I'm calling cadence for the whole, just loud bellowing. He'd be yelling down the street and the whole company's going. And he, he'd live down on second deck. I live on fourth deck. He'd be like, feller, get out here. And I, when I was down fear and trembling because he was my CO, right? And, and, and there was an obedience piece there because I had to. Well, Jesus is more powerful, more impressive than Zan Eden's because he's the God of the universe. And he doesn't appeal to fear. He appeals to love. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They follow me, right? That's the idea. And so verse four, he says, if, if I say I know him, but I don't keep his commandments, I'm a liar. Truth is not in me. Because who's your commander? If you're like, I'm gonna do what I want with who I want, when I want, who's, who's the commander? You're the commander, right? Because you cannot know the God of the universe and not, not listen to him. Every time you see someone come into contact with Jesus and there's, a, there's a, a relationship change, you see life change. You see the woman at the well, married five times, living with another guy. What happens? Her life is transformed. She becomes, she's telling everybody about what Christ has done for her. You see Zacchaeus who's stealing and he's a thief and he loves money. He's giving it away. There's a life change. On the flip side, there's a lot of people that came into contact with Jesus that didn't change. The rich young ruler who said, who seems to want, want to know, how do I get to heaven? She says, you know what the commandments say? You know what the law says? He said, I've done that. He says, yeah, one more thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And there's no life change. He, he goes away and nothing's the same. And so he says, hey, if you know me, you're gonna follow me. Here's the key, not perfectly. He's not saying if you ever fail, you don't know God. He cannot be saying that. So don't, because you read that and remember, John is passionate. He's very black and white. He's very, this is it, this or that, you're in or you're out. So understand how tell he speaks. He's not talking that you are perfect. There's no perfect Christian. If he was, he wouldn't say, if you do sin, you have an advocate with father. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. If you say you have no sin, you're a liar. So he's already established you are a sinner. His point is, is there's gonna be not perfection, but there's gonna be progress progress, that you have, since the day you met Jesus, since the day you put your faith, there's been some kind of progress. There's been growth. That's the point. And it's not, it's like, oh, how far I have to go, because we're all, oh, I'm so, oh, woe is me, I'm just so. No, it's how far have you come? This, there's how far have you come since the day you met Christ? There's been progress. And what do we do with progress? Don't we celebrate progress as a church or in life? I mean, maybe you don't celebrate progress. When my kids get taller than me, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. That's progress. That means the genes on the other side of the family won, right? Don't, don't, if, you're, if you go on a diet, you're like, I need to lose 40 pounds. First week, you, man, you wake up and you walk and you run and you eat zucchini and healthy stuff and put away the Snickers bars. You get on that scale at the end of the week, you lost three pounds, are you like, man, 37 to go? Maybe some of you are, you half glass empty people. But most of us are like, field goal, three pounds. Get the app out, put that down, three pounds. See the little slant down there. And then the next week, you only lose two pounds, but what do you say? You say, oh, 35 left. No, you say, safety, two pounds, 35. One seventh of the way there or whatever. You celebrate, right? Because it's progress. 
and it shows that there's been movement and that's what he's saying. Has there been movement since the day you met Christ? Has there been movement? Has there been progress? So you used to be, you know, foul mouth fowler and the only adjective you knew began with the letter F and now you've discovered there's more words in the English language and you don't use that one. That's called progress, right? You, you know, used to be, you know, someone texts something nasty to you and you're like, okay, I'll tell you, I'll show you. And before you hit that send, you're like, ooh, that's going into a warehouse somewhere out in Nevada. I better, no, delete. You would have sent that text six months ago, but there's been progress. You heard a sermon or you were encouraged, hey, you're a new follower of Jesus, you need to get baptized. You're like, I don't wanna get on the screen, I don't wanna get in the thing. But you feel like, "Ah, no, I'm gonna take that step of obedience. Progress, celebrate. You, you know, you heard a sermon on giving, sermon on serving. You're like, I'm a little timid. I don't know. We're fear, we're real tight. But you took that little step, just giving a little, it's progress. That's what we're talking about. Has there been a change? And we celebrate. What kind, and your father, you need to know this. God is not, your father who is in heaven celebrates growth and progress. I mean, we do this as earthly dads, don't we? Your kid takes out your first step. Man, are you like, you can't walk any better than that? Come on, you've been alive for like 10 months now and you can't, you've been watching me for 10 months and you can't do this? What does a dad do? I mean, he's gonna be a running back. Did you see that? He was like, did you see that arm? That was a Heisman arm. That wasn't a falling on the front lower arm. Uh, he's gonna be a star, that kid, right? First time he uses the potty, yeah, touchdown. First time he gets a hit, first time he makes a shot in a basketball game, you got it on camera, you put it on Facebook, Instagram. This should go viral, it should be on Fox News, it should be on MSNBC, that kid made a shot. That's how we feel about our kids when we see progress. That's how your heavenly father sees progress in your life. He says, and it gives you assurance that you know that you know God, right? That's, it's huge, and this is his heart. This is why he says, whoever keeps his word, love this, in him truly, I love that, that adverb, truly, surely, write it down. The love of God is perfected or it's completed. It's, and I think here the idea, it, it's a little bit ambiguous. It could be God's love for us, our love for God, it could be both. I, I think it's our love for God is perfected. Not that it's perfect, but the idea is teleos, complete. It, it, it shows that it's the real deal, it's genuine. Why? Because it's, it's, you're seeing it, right? You see, you love God, so you follow him. Not perfectly, but the, in a complete way so that there's been proof. Because Jesus said, we looked at it earlier, not everyone says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The one who does, the will of my father. There's, there's obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So it's, it's perfected. And I think, to encourage you, I think our approach sometimes to sin is wrong. Not that we shouldn't be aware of it and be alert, be sober, be alert, your adversary, the devil, I get that. But I think we try to white knuckle, um, we fail and then we regret and we're never gonna do it again, never gonna, and we have resolve. And I don't think the solution is, is beating ourselves up. I think our solution is actually just staying close to the Savior. This is why he says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way. You walk close, you abide, you dwell, you remain. This is Jesus in John 15. Abide in me, dwell in me, remain in me, 
and you'll bear much fruit. Fruit is not manufactured, it's produced. How do you produce it? Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. The, the, the point is not, oh, woe is me, I'm so, you know, he's focusing on sin, 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 sin. It's focusing on the Savior. It's not the negative. And again, you should be on guard. You should be protected. But it's, no, I'm gonna just stay as close to the Savior as I can. I'm going to abide in the Savior. I wanna, be, I wanna remain close. And as you remain close, you're not going to go. You don't have to worry about that because you're gonna be here. It's like when I take our little puppy out, Maisie. Maisie the demon dog is her new name, right? She eats everything. But I'll take her out. I have to keep her on the leash. I have to keep her close. Because if I don't, there's just like poisonous mushrooms all in our yard, and she'll be like all 60s dog, and I don't need that. So we, you know, keep her away from the mushrooms. I'm like, no. And then there's, there's deer poop over here, and she wants to eat that because that's a delicacy for her. So she, and I have to pull her over here. And then there's the road, and she wants to run in the road, and I have to pull. I'm like, no, Maisie. And I, and I let her off the leash. I'm like, you need to stay close to me because close to me is safe. You won't have to worry about deer. You won't have to worry about golf carts and, and people driving fast. You won't have to worry about the 60s. Just stay close. Sometimes she does, sometimes she wanders. And when she comes back, I'm like, it's okay. And that's, you're gonna fall. There's gonna be times. You're gonna fall. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. But what happens when we fall? We get back up. And we keep walking. Keep walking, keep abiding. And there's a proverb, Proverbs 24 says this. I love this. The righteous falls seven times and gets back up. You fallen seven times this week? Get back up, keep walking, keep drawing near and you'll find that your savior is drawing near to you. Because look, there's always gonna be something. Until Jesus comes back or you get your glorified body, there's always gonna be something. This is, is, you're gonna think, uh, what? oh, I just, I finally stopped cursing and you're gonna think, now I'm gonna be like the Holy Spirit. No, there's gonna be something else. There's always gonna be something. We just keep walking, Right? Just keep walking. And, and, and as we look back, we were like, whoa, look at the progress. Look, look at that. I mean, I was here, now I'm here, now I'm here. And we celebrate it. This is why John, this is the, if you study John's life, remember John was just like hothead, wants to melt the Samaritan's brains out with thunder and lightning. And remember, he's a son of thunder. At the end of his life here, he speaks of love. Do you realize more than any other New Testament writer? And this, just in this little book, like 46 times, he's love, 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 love. What happened? He's for 60 years, 60 years has been walking with Christ. And he goes from hothead to the love, the love pastor. Because God has been changing. And that's what happens. The more you walk, the closer you get. Because you remain, you are gonna turn more and more and more like your Savior. Not perfect, not until that day, but it's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. And if you are here and you're saying, well, I know God, but there's never been a desire to follow. There's never been obedience. John would say, you might know about, but you, you probably don't know. Right? You have information, but you don't have relationship. And he would encourage you in that way. Let's continue on. Next, next uh, one. The first one is, how do you know you know? Because you obey. Verse seven, and I'll just read the entirety of the rest of it, and you can pick up what he, where he's going. It says, beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment, 
that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darknesses are passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness, notice the word darkness, 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 has blinded his eyes. This is a theme that you're going to see throughout the book and it's kind of the first big time you've seen it. And he's telling us real, real easy, how do you know that you know, right? And he starts off by saying beloved because he's practicing what he's about to say. I love you, you're my, he's kind of this, elderly spiritual father for this church. I love you. I appeal to you on behalf of your heavenly father. Here's a second idea that he runs through. How do you know that you know? Do I love, do I love the family of God? I mean, that's where he goes. If you love the family of God, you're in the light. If you hate people, you're in the dark. You're stumbling. You're blind. What's he saying? People who know God love what God loves. That's it, Right? And he says, this is nothing new. I mean, really, you've been, if you've been to the church ever before or even heard about church, church and love go hand in hand, right? He says, this is not new. The Old Testament talks about loving your neighbor. But then he says, but it is kind of new because it's really been modeled in Christ in a new way. Jesus says, no greater love has a man than this that he lays down his life for his, for his one he loves or his brothers. He says, Jesus loved them to the end even though they were gonna betray him. So Jesus is new in that he models it, but it's the old commandment from the beginning. He said, if you're in, if you, if you say that you know God and you don't love, then you don't know God. And if you are in the light, then you're going to love because you're going to love what God loves. God is passionate about his children. And so if you love God, you're going to love his children. Jesus is passionate about his bride. If you love Jesus, you're going to love his bride. That, that's, that's just the idea. That's very straightforward. And this book is going to talk a ton about love and how to love. And so we'll get more into the specifics on that. But for the sake of where he's going, he's just basically saying, you wanna know if you know God? Do you love the people of God? Because if you do, right there he says, there's, no, there's, there's cause for no stumbling. Because if you're loving people, Paul says that love is a fulfillment, uh, is, is covers basically all the commandments. You don't have to worry about what are the 10 commandments again? Just worry about loving your neighbor and you're gonna cover them. Because it's gonna impact how you think about others, right? It's gonna, if you're loving the brethren, it's gonna impact, I'm not gonna come to be served, I'm gonna come to serve. I'm not gonna be jealous of you because you got this and you, because you're family. If my brother calls me and says, well, I, I, got, a, I got a promotion and I got a raise and I, you know, isn't that great? I'm gonna be like, oh man, he got a promotion. I didn't get a promotion. I mean, there's not like I can get a promotion, but if, I, if there was a promotion, I, no, I'm gonna be like, that's awesome. Because he's family and I want him to succeed. Because I rejoice with those who rejoice and I mourn with those who mourn. Because that's what, what family does. So if, if we're loving the fam, it's gonna impact. I'm not going to say, well, I'm not serving them. I'm gonna be like, hey, where can I help you? How can I, how can I serve you? How can I encourage you? It's gonna impact how we think. It's gonna impact how we speak, right? And this is a big one for the church, I think. Because I think we have a tendency I think it says churches across the board to be critical of other churches. Don't we? Anyone ever criticize another church? I have. Other Christians, you believe that they raise their kids like that? I cannot believe that. They would do that. They would skip church and go to a baseball game. Huh. Right? They would 
fill in the blank. Or I can't believe that church, they do X, Y, and Z, and our church is better because we do Y, Z, and X. And I I can be very honest with you. I used to do this all the time. Still have a tendency in my heart. But when I was seminary and first in ministry, super critical of everybody that didn't do it the way our church did it. This is, oh, I can't believe that. And I I sat under a pastor for three years. I told about him before. His name was Bob Abeg. One of the most humble men I've ever met. Sharp theologically. Could teach any seminary class in any seminary. Knew the languages. Knew the Hebrew. Knew the Greek as good as any of the Greek professors. I mean, could have been anywhere. It was pastoring a little 80-person church, predominantly older folks, with mega churches all over Dallas, blowing up, you know, building skyscrapers with roller coasters into the nurseries and stuff. And, you know, I'd be like, I can't believe they're doing that. He'd be like, yeah, but look at how many kids they have. Isn't that awesome? He just had a way of being thankful that God was being honored and people were being encouraged. And it, huge lesson. And, and, and um, even now, look, I got different philosophies with different churches, of course. But if they can agree with who Jesus is, what he has done, and how do we get to heaven by the, by the grace of God, by the blood of Christ, through the resurrection, if we can agree on the gospel, I don't care how you baptize, what your eschatology is, what your view on this is. I may not go there, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be critical. I don't think we should be critical of other Christians unless they're in sin. And we should not criticize, we should encourage them to get out of there. Now, I'm not saying that we should never call out false teachers. Someone says there's a, Jesus is not God, there's another way to heaven, you have to do this to get to heaven. Then we call that out. But if these are brothers and sisters, look, you have brothers that like different type of music than you. You like country, they like Metallica. They're right, you're wrong. But you know what? It's different for the family. So we need to be, just be cautious, right? Be cautious with who you criticize in the faith. We should be encouragers, not slanderers. We should be tearing down. I mean, even Paul in the, to Philippians is like, hey, these guys are doing it wrong for the wrong motives, but I'm just rejoicing that Jesus is being worshiped and exalted. That's the model. And, and look, you might not agree with every decision that, that churches make. Do you agree with every decision in your family makes? I mean, who made that turkey? Who decided that? Right? Every Thanksgiving, there's a fight on or something. All right, so... So that's what we do. That, loving is going to impact your commitment. It's going to impact, how, are you going to stick together? Because what we see in the American church is, oh, I can't believe they did that. They did that song. I'm gone. They made that decision. I can't believe that. I'm out. And there's times when you're, you should, you're called to leave a church, when they leave uh, uh, good doctrine or if they're, doing, if they're endorsing sin. But we, we leave because, oh, I didn't get, I didn't get acknowledged. I, didn't, I got overlooked. That, I don't like that decision. That hurt my feelings. And we're, phew. that's not what family does. You're gonna get hurt inside the family. It just happens because Christians are sinful. But love overlooks sin, doesn't insist on its own way. So we stick together, right? And it's gonna impact your presence. If you have no desire to be with the people of God ever, you're just like, I can't stand Christians, I can't hang out with Christians, then, then you may not be one. Because if you love God, you're gonna love that he loves, he loves his church. I'm not saying be here all the time. I don't want you here all the time. We don't want you at the church all the time. What I loved about our church pre-COVID was we'd have to like, okay, you can hang out outside. And there'd be people here, like come, we, we'd show up the following Sunday, they'd still be here from the previous Sunday. I just didn't leave. They just like each other. They like the college students hanging out in Forsyth Park. All right, high school students meeting together, men meeting together, ladies meeting together, just, just being. I mean, during our old greeting time, I miss our old greeting time, I'm sorry. 
right? I mean, it used to frustrate praise team because, you know, they'd be in like verse three and some of you'd still be down there communicating and having fun and, but just that you like each other. It's a sign that you know that you know, right? That's the idea, that you wanna be with the people of God, right? And see, he's saying, hey, real simple, right? This, this is not radical stuff. This is, this is John just reporting to the church. This is what Jesus says. You wanna know if you know him? Here he says, do you listen to him? Because he says, Multiple times, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, why do you call me Lord and you don't listen to what I say? My sheep hear my voice, they follow me. So he's just repeating what Jesus says. He says, here's how you know you know, because you love the brethren. Jesus says, this is how you know all men will know that you're my disciples, you love each other. Not new, but it gives hope. It gives assurance. And I don't want anyone to walk out of here thinking, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Jesus, you're praying the prayer 65 times a day because you're scared that you maybe didn't stick. Is Jesus really in my heart? I can't tell. Do you follow? Do you have a heart to follow? Has there been progress? Has there been any kind of life change? That's what Jesus said. Hey, this is proof my spirit lives in you. And you have a new desire. You desire to love the people of God, to serve them, to care for them, to be with them. Two solid proofs that he's gonna keep coming back to that show that you know God. And I don't, I don't want anyone to leave not knowing that they know. I don't want anyone to leave thinking, I know God, I go to church. I go God, I, you know, I, know, I, I memorize scripture. Those are great things, but that doesn't make you a child of God, right? And so Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1, make, your, make sure of your calling and election. To make sure, to evaluate yourself, right? It's, good, it's a good thing to affirm, to remind ourselves, hey, I'm a child of God. Look, look where I was, look where I am. There's been progress. And look what I used to love and now look what I love. How do I know that I know? There you go. Let me pray and we'll sing, reflect for just a few minutes. If you need to talk, pray with someone. Again, our prayer team is always out here. Uh, we have pastors on staff that would love to, to walk you through some of things. If you have questions, that's why we're here um, and love to meet you in that way. So let me pray and then we'll sing. Father, I ask just as we reflect a few moments that we pray, as we sing, uh, as we then leave and go and be your church, uh, we wanna be comforted, we wanna find hope and peace and we find that in what Christ has done and, and, the, and the change that he's made in so many of us. And I pray for those here who do have doubts and questions, um, they would go back to what you have said, they would look at what you have done, uh, even in their own lives, because the accuser wants to blind us and he wants to discourage us and he wants us to be uh, miserable uh, and you promise joy and peace and goodness and faithfulness. And so I uh, pray that that would be the case in our lives. And for someone who may be deceived and thinking, yeah, I prayed a prayer when I was 13 and uh, you know, haven't done anything since, Lord, they would see, no, it's, it's not praying a prayer. It's, it's putting our faith in what you have done for us. Uh, and you put your spirit in us and there is change. So I pray that would be the case. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. You guys can stand.